0: This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show, and he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins.
1: It's the Jeremiah Show and Evolve Entertainment, featuring its radio with TV's Tim Stack, Mike Gormley presents Music Icons, The Arwen Lewis Show, and The Angel Baby Show. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. When I was a kid, at an impressionable age, probably my junior and senior year, Corin Nimick and his pals, Brian Austin Green from Beverly Hills 90210, and David Faustino of Married with Children, they were the new it dudes of Hollywood. They skateboarded through Venice, they graffitied your house while you watched, and they ruled the Sunset Strip at night. And from 1,500 miles away in the Pacific Northwest, to me and my friends, they were Hollywood gods. And every girl that I knew wanted to bear their children. (laughs) It was the early 90s. The music had just switched from heavy metal hair bands to punk and Seattle grunge. And owning a skateboard became mandatory. Thankfully, the skateboard replaced the hacky sack at school. We put away our boom boxes and we plugged into the solitude of cool. The Walkman. We wore sunglasses inside and being bored with you was just how we felt all the time. And before these guys, we had the Brat Pack. Every teen movie soundtrack sounded like a bad Kenny G album. The plots were all very similar. High school kids with love, drug, or study problems transitioning to college, all with big hair. And the bad boys in the 80s were Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson. And then there were the girls who loved them. Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, Ally Sheedy. I love these cheesy movies and their stars, but then came Corinne. Something happened on television that changed me and my friends and our little hometown of Preach River, Idaho, forever. And Preach River, we only got three channels. And these guys own the only channel that mattered. Fox. Corin Nimick was on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Brian Austin Green was on Beverly Hills 90210, and David Faustino was on Married with Children. So We lived through them. We became very aware of the skateboarding, eyeliner-wearing, graffiti bad boys of TV. We'd see their escapades at the grocery store checkout line from uh, front-page tabloids or on the covers of Teenage Girl magazines. They were our age. They were good-looking, unapologetic. Again, bad boys that always looked a little hungover but happy. We cut our hair like them, and we wore surf or skate clothes. Uh, we got rid of our mullets, and we grew out of our sideburns. We bought skateboards. We threw beer cans at our car windows. We smoked. We created our own Sunset Strip deep in the woods. We called it the Goat Trail. It didn't have such a cool name as Sunset Strip, but it had bonfires and punk music, and the cops couldn't find us. My special guest today is, I think, partly responsible for my low GPA in high school and a lot of other things. Or at least I think he should be responsible. He was the last person that I wanted to be before I became me. And if it hasn't, and if he hasn't left the show yet, I better check. Because <laughs> I have freaked him out. I'm going to bring him on now. He's an actor. He's a producer, a writer, a graffiti artist. And I love this line. I have to just keep saying he's a traveling man. Please welcome Corin Nimick. Hey, Corin. What's happening, Jeremiah? How are you, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like we've been hanging out a lot these holidays. It's it's a nice habit. It is. It is.
2: <laughs> uh, I got the yule log uh, waiting to be be lit a fire at, at, right
1: after we get off the phone. Oh, that's nice. Little eggnog, little uh s- cider maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. <laughs> um yeah, those that's a true story. All of that is true. I you were you, you guys were uh, what we emulated, and I've never told you that before. We haven't had a lot of time yeah. to talk together, but that's a, that's that's how it was. Can you? Yeah, man, I dig it. I dig it. It, it was, uh, you know, it was really
2: interesting times growing up back then. A lot simpler times, obviously, as well. And um, you know, myself and and Brian Green actually went to North Hollywood High School together. We went to the uh, the same school. Uh, and, uh, and then obviously I had known both of them from being on Fox together, mm-hmm. but, uh, but also had known them socially from when we were very young. Cause all of us were, uh, started acting at such young ages. So even though, e- even though, um, you know, Parker Lewis kind of launched me into a more of a pop culture, uh, uh, notoriety at that, at that time in the early nineties, I, I would already been kind of known because, especially because if I know my first name is Steven, the miniseries I did, I got an Emmy nomination for yep. when I was 15 or whatever. And, uh, and that, that, that had kind of like, at least put me on a shelf, you know, somewhere. And, uh, and, so at that time we all knew each other and we all hung out we were all into you know hip-hop and all that i was probably more into the skateboarding thing and the and 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 the graffiti art thing more more so than than they were they were more into the hip-hop culture the music side of it and all of that uh as well both of them were and, and 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 still are both of them are still very passionate about it but uh but certainly that whole cultural, you know, influence on on our lives was was pretty wild at that time. Uh, you know, the 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 clubs that played rap music were dangerous. You yeah. know what I mean? The streets of L.A. in the late 80s, early 90s were dangerous. The you know, the whole the whole world seemed, uh, you know, like on e- like 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 uh, not the whole world. Actually, it was far more peaceful then than it is Your now. But, uh but 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 there in Hollywood, that little world that we lived in was just like always, just a flame with energy and and mm-hmm. uh, and and potential. And um and I think that all of us too, the the fine the the fine line that we all walked uh, at that time, David Arquette as well, a good a buddy of ours, in Balthazar Getty and Stephen Dorff, and you know we had our own little you know Rat Pack kind of crew. Um, with, with a bunch of, with a bunch of, uh, actors and, uh, uh, so, but the one thing that we kind of threaded, fortunately for all of us was being able to, to differentiate between what is just ridiculous behavior and what's just like, we're out having a good time, yeah. you know? And, and I think that, uh, and, you know, the transition to, from, from that sort of youthful, uh outlook on life during the during the Parker Lewis days and the Marybeth children days and the 90210 days when all of us were just out there just you know really on fire transitioning also into early adulthood and trying to figure out well how do we transition from these characters in our youth to adult actors who are taken seriously as uh, you know uh, as as people who know you know who are serious passionate about their craft I should say and um so that you know that was interesting uh, as well to see how we all transitioned out of that and into kind of like grounding ourselves and figuring out okay what's the long game here because the short game was too easy
1: you know yeah well uh, i mean for people that aren't that didn't grow up in hollywood or didn't make it like you guys do like that group you just talked about and they're another parts of the country like i was up in the pacific northwest and you're watching it from afar and you've got the the hollywood machine and it and it just makes you guys look cool it's like what you want to be at that age you know if you're at that age where you got you know all those guys that you mentioned um were somewhat like you know every period has in hollywood has its own rat pack or group right in some way you know from elvis yeah. to you know to to i mentioned you know the um the the brat pack and and the 80s and then 90s and your group they were that just felt like they were living life really well they're traveling you know on this on the gritty streets of hollywood and yeah. la it was a lot grittier back then um oh it's gritty it's grittier now i think
2: I've, yeah, i haven't think been so? there recently man it's gone downhill something fierce they did yeah, a great but, job cleaning it up for, you know, up until around 20, you know, until, well, until the shutdown and all of that, you know, shit. That yeah. that, that really tanked it, you know what I mean? That tanked yeah. it all. But but, uh, but, you but going group- back to that heyday, uh uh you know, that yeah, it was it was an incredible time to be uh, LA was still a a smaller version of itself. Uh the and and also the other interesting thing too is kind of we were from from what I recall, myself, Balthazar, David Arquette, especially, you know, the three of us, uh, us three hung out the most in turn, you know, and then me and me and Brian Green. And he he was around for quite a bit as well. And and David Faustino, too. But but in terms of like the daily hang for me personally, a, a lot of the time was spent with me, Balth and Arquette. Mm -hmm. and uh and then me and me and david would kind of hang out on our own i mean me and uh uh, brian would hang out on our own and do our own thing with some other cats and then we'd all mix and mingle but it was but that said you know we were trying to avoid the whole limelight aspect of it it was it was sort of an anti-approach to hollywood and i and i don't know if it did if if it served me well because i stopped using a publicist at a certain point i stopped you know, doing a lot of, 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 PR stuff. And it really boiled down to, um, growing up and being in all of those teen magazines and starting to do those teen magazines when I was like 14 or whatever. And, 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 you know, a lot of the time it's most of the, almost a hundred percent of the time you show up and they have a rack of clothes they want to put you in. They got a certain hairstyle they want to do your hair in and they do all this. And by the time, you know, and, 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 80 or so percent of those shoots are not in your favor when it comes to how they want to portray you. You know, there's there there's a small percentage there where it's classy. You're in like a cool suit. They got your hair slick. You're looking mature. You're like, yeah, man, I can dig this, you know. And uh, but a lot of times it was like in some cheesy you know, some cheesy clothes I would never wear. And they want me to be like, Oh, jump up in the air. Like you're so excited. (laughs) And, you know, Oh, pretend like you're flying like Superman on this, on this stool. And, you know, and as a young actor and all that, I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. It's all fun. It's you. I'm having a great time, you know? Uh, and really it's just like a slow progression of selling oneself out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and 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 I woke up to it quickly because I, again I did hang out with a, you know a lot of graffiti artists and 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 kids skateboard rats and kids that were just that were just living to live for what their experience was uh, on a street level at that time not trying to you know some of them were trying to be pro skaters or or or, or get into the rap industry uh, you know legitimately and many of them have they went on to do you know big things in the music industry uh, some of my friends Justin Warfield from the band She Wants Revenge and. And uh, Seth Binzer from Crazy Town, uh, Shifty from Crazy Town, and uh, um, uh, Yeshi Pearl, who's Mickey Avalon. And, you know, there's a whole slew of guys that also hung around that weren't acting, but they were doing other things. And we were all buddies. And uh, but but, you know, when I'd show up uh, hanging out with with, with my uh, my homies, you know, they're, they're like because they got sisters and this and that. And their sisters got all the teen magazines. And so they're just like holding up you know, big, big, big old fold out, you know, center folds <laughs> of me, you know, just dressed like a total, you know, like lame, lame duck and like cozy. It ruined all, your like, street cred. Yeah, dude. I was like, this is weak sauce, man. This is so weak. It's so not me, you know, yeah. and uh, getting into the Parker Lewis days, I started feeling a little bit more like I, I, I felt more empowered, you know, because I was the lead on the show. And, you know, when we did the stuff for the show as the character and all of that, I was like, that's cool. You know, obviously, you know, but then when it came to doing more publicity outside the show, I was like, I'd show up and if they had some clothes and like stuff that I was like, I would never wear that in real life. I would just go, no, I'm not wearing that. And, they, and, and, and I did it for, I think it was Tiger beat or one of them. I was in New York and they were doing this big spread on me and everything. And they just had the most ridiculous costumes imaginable that they wanted me to put on. And we were in the I meat packing, we we're in the meat packing district, you know, and I was there with, with my buddy, uh, Jirobe from the band, from the, the group tribe called quest. Uh, and my, and my buddy Kev Hicks, he was in, he was, uh, uh, God, I can't even remember which he was in a group called poet society back then. But, uh, you know, and we were down there. I'm like, yeah, we'll roll by. We'll go do this photo shoot thing for Team Tiger Beat, whatever, and then we'll roll out to the record shop and we'll go do this, whatever. We had a whole day plan, and and we show up there, and I'm like, dude, these ridiculous clothes again, and 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 I'm like, I'm looking at Joebe and Kev, and I'm just like, I mean, guys, would you wear that? And they're like, nah, no, no, nah, nah, bro, we wouldn't wear that. I was, I was like, I can't, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. And I wasn't rude or disrespectful about it. I just had to tell them. I said, listen, you know. If you guys are trying to just do a piece on me, you know, who I am, what I'm about and all of that, we're right here in the meatpacking district. You can't have a better backdrop than that. You know, I'm here, I'm wearing the latest in, in you know, in style and fashion, you know, for, for what it is. I'm, I'm sponsored by Adidas. I got some Adidas gear on. I got, you know, let's just go mm-hmm. out. Let's just take some raw photos out here with your photographer, get out of the studio and we'll do an interview and and that'll be that. And I was like, I thought it was a great idea. They were like, okay, yeah, sure. They did it all. I thought everything was great, bro. They they canceled me in this interview. They annihilated me. They said that I was arrogant and you know what, what, what you know was what all this stuff. They, they the, the I think I still have the article somewhere stashed because that was one of the last straws for me because that's not how the experience was on my end at all. Yes. I did a great interview with them. I felt good about it and all of that. I just stood my ground. I wasn't going to let them you know, decorate me for a dog and pony show and parade me around the circus for everybody to laugh at. I just I'm mm-hmm. over it, you know. So uh, so after that, I really stopped doing, uh, you know, uh, uh, PR almost altogether. I, I, I was like, listen, if I can't ride on my talent. If I can't continue to get work because I'm talented at what I do, then I don't deserve to be in this industry anyway. If I'm getting jobs because of my PR campaign, because of the machine behind me, because I'm in the picks and pans, because I'm in this. I'm man of the year. I'm the blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Right. Then, 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 then what? Then I'm not talented enough. Has it served yeah. you
1: well? You mentioned in the beginning maybe it hasn't served you well, but no, it hasn't. You it's now? been, a,
2: it's been, it's been a far. I, I think not playing that game early on when i had the chance and 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 uh and you know grasping all of that notoriety that was right at my disposal could have equaled a whole slew of different leads and tv shows mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different kind of branded advertising type stuff or this that the other because i'm a i'm a rather inventive individual you know and i like to think outside the box and if i if I had recognized how I could have artfully taken advantage of it and choreographed it to, to my will, you know what I mean? Then I, 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 could, have, I could have orchestrated a very interesting path. Uh, for me, I was more interested in the artist path alone. And I saw the machine as something that was too big and powerful for me to manipulate. I yeah. saw it as something that was only, its the, the, only ability was to manipulate. And I didn't want to be manipulated
1: if you would have taken that path and taken some more of those um uh, uh uh you know options or suggestions in the machine do you think you'd be as happy as you are now w- with your life if you looked at yourself in it's the mirror
3: one of those
2: think, yeah it's one of those double edged swords this, but it's one of those double edged really... swords because you know at i mean at 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 the time too i i i was so i'm i'm one of those classic hollywood stories of i you know i i had pow- a a uh a so-called financial advisor, had power of attorney over all of my finances from age 16 until I was probably 26, 27 years old. I, w- I had two houses in Los Angeles. I drove whatever car I wanted to drive. Everything was paid for. I never paid any attention to anything. I always got you know great tax returns. Everything seemed to be you know until i i woke up one morning and and realized that this individual literally the whole time has been stealing everything that i had and left me high and dry and in 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 a very you know in a very difficult situation because having had power of attorney and me having signed that over when i was a teenager with my mom's approval this that the other it was a very difficult lawsuit to to go after and would have been very costly because the individual had power of attorney. They had the right to do whatever they wanted with my money.
3: So, what sad and what story they did was
2: told so many
1: times, right? I mean, yeah, and so you know, so
2: from so at age twenty, between twenty six and twenty eight, fortunately, I was in a great acting uh, class at the time. Uh, that was a, that's another thing that always kept me grounded. Was I started in acting classes at age uh, eleven, twelve years old, and and always was in an acting class from. Uh, Kevin McDermott with center stage LA was my first acting teacher and, and, and acting work, uh, acting group that I was in. And then went on to study with Terrence Hines and, uh, and, uh, John Lynn when I was young as well, when I was a teenager and, uh, um, uh, studied with, um, uh, oh my gosh. Well, Margie Haber with some stuff and, uh. Uh, I just can't remember the gentleman's. Whose idea was it? Was it your, your Uh, mom's? No, it it was all my idea. I I, I had a passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole another long story uh, to get into on, on, on how that all came about. But, uh. But I I had a kid that I was in school with when we moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Los Angeles, who was uh, in the in the Van Halen music video, Hot for Teacher. And he played Waldo in the music video. And we were in graphic uh, design class together in eighth grade. And I expressed to him that I wanted to get into acting. And he said, I'm studying with Kevin McDermott at Center Stage L.A. It's this great kids acting class. And it turned out to be one of the top acting classes where agents and managers would go and seek out new talent at the showcases that they would do. So it was it was only within six months, six to eight months, and I was signed to an agent manager uh and started and started acting professionally right away. So it was a very quick, you know, start to it. And uh um but but that said, you know, uh getting back to to the the subject that we were we were talking about later on in my career, uh I think that uh you know if if I had played if I had played the game right instead of just being the artist and wanting nothing but the artistic experience of it all uh, and and the artistic journey and not and not wanting to have to deal with any of that kind of, you know, um, non aesthetic thinking. That has to go into dealing with bills and paying and this, that, the other. So as, as disconnected as I could be from that, the more creative I could be, the more stuff that I could, I could create, the better actor I could be, the more, you know, and so on. And so, uh, I looked at that as, as a, as a, as a great benefit. Uh, but, but by, because I wasn't paying attention to it, I was robbed blind, you know, so, so Uh, I think that at the same time, if I had chosen to embrace all of that at the the same time that I chose not to, I probably would have gotten a hold of the financial thing, too, at the same time. But I I chose to just, you know, go the route of the actor and figure out what it is, you know, that I was doing, uh, you know, because I, I was concerned that the longevity of my career would be affected by being typecast. And uh, and that's why also when I was doing Parker Lewis Can't Lose every hiatus, I would do a different dramatic movie. I did one called um, for the very first time, <clears throat> which was um, a great dramatic TV movie. Another one called My Son Johnny with Rick Schroeder. That was another really heavy, dramatic TV movie. And then one called Life Force Experiment with um, with Donald Sutherland. that was a very dramatic movie tv movie so i was i i wanted to make sure that people knew that i wasn't just a comedic actor
3: mm-hmm.
1: well you mentioned Balsar Balsar getty and uh, david arquette i mean those guys are brilliant minds in their own right uh, as artists and, um,
2: Excuse me. and
1: and and just individuals right and you you were in that group and you were those are your friends i can't imagine what the what the creative discussions were like with the three of you um I think you all are so brilliant in your own way, and you also mentioned that this group of guys, all these group, these actors at that time, were a little bit anti Hollywood. Which is, yeah, I think what made you all so interesting. Whenever I see any of those names that you mentioned, from Steven Dorf, to David Arquette, to Balthazar, to, to yeah, to, you, know, you it, I always got to see that movie because it's always they, there's a there's a type I think that. Were you guys, did you affect each other creatively? Did you influence each other creatively? It feels a little bit like you did. Oh,
2: 100%. We were always around, we were always around each other during different, at at different points in our early careers. And we were talking about different projects we were working on, what, you know, in different, you know, different ways of of being able to, you know, outcreate the system. I mean, the one thing that, the one thing that was, that was the toughest is that, that, uh, Everything was moving so fast for all of us, and and even though at at, at that point in time the, we tried to lock arms together and do projects together independently of the system, mm-hmm. and 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 and, cr- and wrote scripts together, and you know tried to hustle projects off the ground together and all of that, but it, it was another one of those uh, one of those really harsh realities uh, that, that you come to find in in los angeles is how compartmentalized it is you know uh in on, on the on the industry side on the the representation side on the packaging side on the the producing side all of that uh, and it's no offense to any of them because because there's there's many that they would say that they aren't like this but are part of the whole system that is it's just it, it doesn't really want you to be outside of the box you're in because it complicates things. Right. OK, so if you're an actor and now you want to be an actor who's directing, who who's writing and producing and don't all it's like it's like, listen, ah, that's just ah, you don't fit the we're trying to do this. You know what I mean? Get in there, act, do your job. Let the writers who the studio or network are paying do their job. Let this person let all the different compartmentalized things do their job, you know, and if you try to break that system um it's it, it, on a mainstream level it's very difficult to do things independently i mean me and jason london also who's been a great friend of mine for many years you know we we created a, a an independent tv series together called blackwater blues which is this rad story about you know the dixie mob down on the gulf coast and and there and and this fictional setting where they where they've been dealing, uh, you know, they, they've been um, laundering money to to high powered, uh, high, uh, you know, powerful uh, figures in politics and business through the sale of of very expensive comic books. You know, and 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 that that these kids mother was was the bookkeeper for the the Dixie mob and all of that, and that she went missing when, you know, when they were just graduating high school and, and disappeared and nobody knows what happened. And the FBI agents that were investigating the whole thing, all of them died in a mysterious plane crash and the two brothers ended up doing 10 years in jail because they went on like this crazy you know uh violent spree through town to find out who who killed their mom or who took their mom or who knew what happened to their mom and ended up almost murdering some people in the process and so the story picks up with them just getting out of jail and uh and and one of the brothers their their grandfather dies and he leaves a series of clues to their mother's disappearance. And one of the brothers is hellbent on figuring out. The other one's like, I'm not going back to jail for this. And then they end up going, they're, they're basically like, you know, um, the, 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 the uh, uh, what's well, Starsky and Hutch, but like two redneck broke yeah. versions, you know, who don't, I have haven't badges. seen that. I got to check that out. That so yeah, it's great. called Blackwater Blues. We shot the pilot for it. We shot a pilot episode okay. for it. It's uh, you can see it on YouTube. You can see it on my YouTube channel, Cornemic uh, TV. Or, or on Blackwater Blues uh, TV or BWB TV, whatever it's called. But uh, but we shot it. It's it great. We have the whole show developed. Everything. It's won a- and a huge amount of awards and, and accolades from from uh, from um, all of the different uh, uh, festivals that it's been entered into. I mean, I'm talking tons. It's got Leafs left and right, mm. and we we can't get a door open to save our lives. But yet, when I did a show. You know, years back with me and David Faustino and my buddy Todd Bringawatt and Sam Cass, who was a writer producer from Seinfeld, we did a web series for Sony TV called Starving, which was this, you know, really ridiculous uh, um, spoof on reality shows with me and David Faustino playing ourselves. And it was for Crackle. And, but, but on the inside, once, once we had a packaging agent over at UTA, because that's where Sam Cass was represented because he is a writer producer from Seinfeld. Once we had a UTA packaging agent, it was smooth sailing right through everything, everything done. We could, We had, you know, even though we pitched to a lot of different places, we had it sold within less than six months and mm-hmm. we're in production shortly thereafter. And even though the show didn't go beyond one season, you know, it, it was it, when you're inside like that, you know what I mean? The process is like snap bang boom. Yeah. You know, but we had them already involved on the whole creative side of it and all of that and the figuring out what the show was and all of these different things. And, you know, so there was a, you know, the studio network process is is streamlined and greased. But if you go outside of it and you try to do it and then come back to it later and say, Hey, look what we did without you. Right. They're like, Meh.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's that, what I mean? lesson, it's that lesson you learned later i guess but you learn from the beginning where you know you, you you buck the system or you get outside the box and it's a lot harder work to get back in and yeah get, and, get and well i
2: think yeah and i think that there you know the platform doesn't exist yet that where 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 the um where the exchange for the clicks the ad rev all of that or the subscription where where, where you have a really really fair exchange between uh artist and platform or producer and platform, you, you think know, it will happen? Uh, it has. It, to. That way? Yeah. it has to. Well, I don't. I, it. It's not. It's not moving that way. But somebody's going to figure it out. And once. And once the. Once somebody is willing to dump the the amount of of money of independent investment that would have to go into something like that, it's sort of like a Netflix before it became corporatized. Mm-hmm. You know, in a sense, except with with an with an open. Uh, open, uh, platform, you know, with with open click system where you see all of the view counts. You see all of the things. Everything is completely open. There's no hidden algorithms. There's no this, that, the other. It's just a, it's just a platform that, that has, you know, a 40, 60 exchange, 60 to the platform, 40 to the producer, which is wait. You're only probably seeing three to 6% from any studio, if that you know what I mean? So you can see how much they're taking. Yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky, you know what I mean? Maybe two, two percent, you know, two points on the back end or some bullshit, you know? So, you know, when you have something that's fair like that, and then you have a show that's really successful, you would see that that show would just end up making and the producers and the people on, you'd have to, you know, uh, uh, structure it in such a way that it wouldn't have to be uh, fallen under a union umbrella where the unions would be panicking about who gets what you have right. to structure it right out of the gate. The, the everybody gets this amount, this percentage, that, that like RKO studios was when it first opened, it was an employee owned. And, and what's the
1: incentive Unionists for the people that are already doing it the way they're doing it. Right. The, uh, the, that goes, it's just an uphill battle sounds like but They're, well they they can they could exchange it in, in abundance
2: all they want but then they'd have to buy smaller houses smaller yachts and smaller planes you know what I'm <laughs> everybody saying? wants to do that right that's well that's just it is the is the insanity of materialism has gone right. so you know i mean it's not that it has ever left because when you look at the at, at the at the luxurious uh, uh, uh mansions of the vanderbilts and the And and the DuPonts and the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and all of the, you know, all these these aristocratic families, whether whether of European or or American descent, it doesn't matter. The the gross uh, opulence has been here for hundreds, thousands of years, and I don't know what can break it, but uh, but there's got to be some type of more fair, balanced system that allows for survivability, uh, in abundance on a small scale, as well as survivability in abundance on a large scale. Right now, the small scale is just pinched so tight, I, you know, people are, are, it's, it's, we're reaching
1: a breaking point here. It's not, it's not a fair system at all. What a, uh, what a conversation. My special guest today, Corin Nemec, he's an actor, producer, writer. A terrific graffiti artist. In fact, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I'd, I'd recommend go back to the Thanksgiving show because he he was in his man's man cave my man and came, he had man. his artwork behind him. It's just amazing. He's such a great graffiti artist. Where else oh, do man. we see your 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 artwork? Like uh, yeah, I have art. a my street art page
2: is uh, is at the one six nine, and that's lowercase T H E, and then the new num- the numerals one six and nine. That's on Instagram. So at the one six nine on Instagram is all my street art and and graffiti okay. art and all that, I'll and going, put that back, up, uh, going back going uh, back from when I you know years and years from whenever I first started because I, I initially you know I've I've been a, a, I I avoided social media as well to my own detriment even Twitter like I was I came way late in the game on Twitter in fact I was I, I was finally at, at at an event down in Australia. Uh, probably either in Sydney or Melbourne and, and doing a, um, uh, kind of a, a special dinner afterwards with people who, who paid like their, you know, the, for the, for the gold ticket to the event yeah. or whatever, you know, the and table. we have, a, and we have a rad private dinner. There were some rad people there, you know, uh, Chris judge, you know, from, from Stargate was there as well as Amanda tapping and some other Stargate people and other people from other shows. It's always pretty cool to do those kind of things. And uh and it was some of the folks that were there at the table at the time that literally made me, forced me to set up my Twitter there right in front of them because they're like, look, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, eh, it's just not my thing, you know? Yeah. Because I had my uh I I had my Instagram uh no I had back then I had um uh what was it? It was uh it was another photo sharing site uh, that was before Instagram that was really,
1: really popular. Um, Snapchat, it was called. There, what? Well, actually, that's not photo sharing. That's photo. Sharing. I don't know. I can't Snapchat. even remember. What I know it was you know There's so uh, many different
2: ones, but anyway, I mean, I had MySpace for God's sake. After MySpace, <laughs> like I was like, that's it, dude. I'm done. Like this yeah. is just too much. They. You know, they I they, I loved MySpace. I thought it was rad. You could have an opening song, you could do jazz your page up any way you wanted. You could do all those all kinds of cool stuff you could do with it. And everything was presented on one single page. It wasn't yeah. like you had to do all these clickings and everything. It was all, you know, you could set it up there. You had your little chat box thing. So you could it, it, you could do a podcast from it, you could do a the, you could everything you could do from that one little that one little page was amazing. I can't believe it. Do you apart. remember how
1: slow uh, it was though? It would load like it take forever to load. Well, you had all everything stuff took on forever it. to load back then. Uh, but so uh, listen, Corin, you put the soundtrack together today. These are all songs that you sent me, and we put it in here. And this one, I'm actually this one made me curious. The first one that I'm going to play here on as we go out to break. Um, I, I just loved that you chose this Billie Holiday in my solitude. Oh yeah. Is there anything behind that, like a story, a, a short story? Because I got to take a break, but is there, or is it just something that you love that it touches you? And... Yeah, 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 man. Walking around my
2: 1936 apartment in Santa Monica on the top floor with the windows open early in the morning with a cup of coffee, completely alone, with that
1: song playing. <laughs> I was like, I, that's exactly what I was hoping you'd tell me something like that. Well, here it is. Billy holiday in my solitude. We'll be right back with Corinne Nimick. He is my special, special guest today. He's again, an actor, producer, screenwriter, a writer, out uh, and a graffiti artist. Check out his uh, graffiti art at the one six nine on Instagram. His new movie is dead man's hand starring Jack Kilmer, 40 J Smith, Cole Hauser and Camille colored like a, here's the plot
3: basically gunslinger
1: teams up with a marshal to save his kidnapped wife from the ruthless mayor and his private army it came out on July 7th of this year Brian Skiba is the director um, our friend here Corin a screenwriter distributed by Lionsgate and you can find it on Tubi, Google Play Movies Voodoo, YouTube Apple TV, Amazon Prime on Instagram find Corin Nimic at I'm I am C-O-R-I-N-N-E-M-E-C It's also got a book out Venice High uh, Check it out You can pick it up on lulu.com Amazon and Barnes & Noble websites and we'll be right back
3: In my
1: Like to watch? Subscribe to The Jeremiah Show on YouTube.
4: Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack that's part of The Jeremiah Show. So listen.
3: A person to talk to, someone who'd care to love. Could it be you? Could it be you? Situation gets rough and I start to panic, it's not enough. It's just a habit, a kid you're sick. Well, darling, this is it. You can all just kiss off into the air. Behind my back, I can see them stare. They'll hurt me bad, but I won't mind. They'll hurt me bad, they do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do it all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. They Welcome back it. to the Jeremiah Show. My special guest today, Corin Nimick. He is joining me from, I think, Florida. And he yep. just recently got married. And I'm, I, I keep reminding myself, I want to say congratulations on that, Corin. It's amazing um thank you here, yeah so once i had a film school professor uh who started the class out by saying to me i'm going to ruin movies for you <laughs> so my question to you court is was there a you know i know you started acting pretty young and it was your choice as we talked about in the first segment but was there a before and an after a moment for you in film meaning were you a fan of movies before you entered the industry as a kid and then what was it like after you began experiencing movie making on your own as an actor or behind the scenes did it ruin it for you uh yeah a quick story on
2: that my both my mother and father were in the arts and entertainment business they met in college at the University of Arkansas my father was studying architecture my mom was studying uh graphic design Granted, they both went in in opposite directions shortly after college. Uh, my mom ended up in Atlanta working in the in the music business and theater business as a graphic designer, working with Standing and Only, which was a huge promotional company down there in the late '70s and early '80s, bringing in bands like Hall and Oates and Jay Giles Band and Leonard Skinner and and uh, and Chicago and. Uh, um, my gosh, who else did we see? I, I, I got to I got to see uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. And I mean, you name it, we went and we, we were always seeing concerts and stuff. So I got to grow up doing that, going into the green room, meeting a lot of cool rock stars and stuff. It was pretty rad. And then she went on to work in the theater business for um, the Pantages, the, the Fox Theater in Atlanta, which is owned by the Nederlander uh, Company, which also owns the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles and owns theaters all over the U.S. My father went on from being an architect, a legitimate architect from an, an architectural firm in in Arkansas, in Little Rock to Los Angeles. And uh, from there, he met some people in the film business and he became a set designer uh, because they don't, apparently, they don't have a lot of well-trained uh, architects in in set design and production design. I don't know. Hmm. So mm-hmm. he, he, he flew through the ranks very quickly and he was a... Uh, um, uh, assistant art director on the movie Goonies, uh, which uh, uh, which was the movie that made me want to become an actor. So growing up, I used to go backstage with my mom, uh, whether it be plays or or rock bands or whatever. Me and my sister would fly out to L.A. and see my dad, well, and we'd go on sets. We like went on the one of the first shows that he worked on was the TV show V. He was one of the set designers on V and we got to go check out the sets on V and the, the spaceships and all of that. So I understood, you know, what what it was to to make, you know, make films and do the performances and all of that. I knew that I was and I was already an artist myself and and uh, I just didn't know which direction I was going to go in in terms of what what, what art I was going to choose. And uh and when i saw the movie goonies and i realized that those kids were just acting and it was all pretend but i saw the sets that they were on and all the fun that they got to have and and what excitement that was and what a joy that that business is uh that that i i was like that i have to do that i have to do that before i'm grown up i have to do that now i have to manifest that i have to figure that out and uh and then the story that i told earlier occurred you know my mom transferred Uh, from the the fox theater in atlanta to the pantages theater in hollywood we lived in studio city my school walter reed i went to school with david uh, van gorder who was waldo in the hopper teacher video and then i got Mm -hmm. into the acting class and so on
1: so it hasn't ruined it for you then you're saying there's still no? it makes it more exciting it's even more fun knowing that
2: it's all make believe i mean god do i really want to be you know like in stargate for instance like stuck out in uh, in 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 you know 48 to below temperatures in antarctica you know freezing to death or do i want to actually be on a set that's just cooled down low enough to see your breath and it's all fake snow i'm going to yeah. go with the fake snow ladies and gentlemen
1: <laughs> well again, you're a movie maker i mean you're you you're the writer you're the actor you're producer you do all these different things uh in in the business and control a lot of your projects and some sort of uh, it, it, another thing that the, that same professor said was uh, a good movie is a happy mistake. Do you do you agree with that idea? That it's a, mm, not really. I mean, it's a I lot think of I, hard work, but does it always turn out late? You know what I mean? They, they, a, a good, a good movie is a,
2: a good movie is a good movie because the script translated well and had a great director, cinematographer, and a stellar cast and all of that. And all of the puzzle pieces came together because it was well thought out well-planned and mission accomplished you know You, you you don't have any good movies by accident you have movies that do well by accident but and they're not very good but because of marketing this that the other timing or trend or something else you know people flock to go see it and then they then years later they're like yeah yeah
1: that thing was a piece of crap yeah you know whatever all right. Uh, we got to take another quick break. Another Corin break. Dimmick, he's an actor, producer, writer, graffiti artist. I want you to check out his art on at the 169 on Instagram. His n- new movie is Dead Man's Hand. We're going to talk about it next. Uh, is really great. You got to see it. It's streaming available on, let's say, go, Apple TV, Amazon Prime. You can find it on a lot of other streaming channels as well. It was released just a couple months ago. That's a gunslinger. Teams up with a marshal to save his kidnapped wife from a ruthless mayor and his private army. This is a good, good popcorn movie. Check it out on Instagram at I'm Corman Nimick. And uh, again, at the 169 on Instagram. We'll be right back. Keep up, will you? There is a lot going on here. Subscribe and always be in the no crowd.
2: Orin Nemec here. If you don't know who I am and I don't know you, you're going to find out more about me on the Jeremiah Show.
3: Ding!
1: Back to the Jeremiah Show, Corin Nimick is joining me today. I'm so thankful he's here. We're talking Hollywood. We're talking about his life in show business and as an artist, which is so intriguing to me. And I, Unfortunately, we're not going to get into all the art and the side of uh, you know, his art and, and inspiration there. I love this quote though. Corin says, My life has been a strange amalgam of opposing realities held together by an artistic life experience. From drawing and writing, to graffiti and street art, to theatrical and television acting, as well as photography. The success I garnered at a very young age put me in the public eye at a time when I was completely immersed in a street-style life directly in opposition to the clean cut all-american kid the trades magazines and talk shows were portraying me as and that's the impression that i had as well if you if you heard my opening monologue yeah corin nimick has been someone that um i have watched and and the 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 crew that he works with and the artists that he works with are some of my very favorite in the business and and some of my very favorite movies um corin welcome back Uh, you've got so much energy um from the times that i've met you and just you can feel it on the screen and and, and your passion in life are you an anxious person or you know ha, are you just you just got this this love and lust for life and how do you channel that um yeah i mean yeah yeah
2: yeah i am i i definitely am an anxious person there's no doubt about it i think in in in, in a lot of different ways uh not just because um, I project so far, you know, uh, ahead. At times, it, it can the 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 ideas be they be they my own or others or a mix of whose or whatnot. You know, at, as anybody who knows who's who's built some great ideas with people that don't come to fruition. There's nothing more painful than than you know than than watching a great idea you know die and um, or, or not come to fruition so i think that the 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 hardest part is you know is in that anxiousness is being and and then that's part of where where i have to lean on the you know the the buddhistic psychology that 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 i try to hang on to as the thread of of my understanding of, of 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 how the mind body spirit all of that stuff operates together you know is that in in this threefold universe at the end of the day you know yeah what you leave behind can be can be something very special if you leave something behind that 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 can be a memory of you and all of that but at the same time you know it's so temporal this whole existence to 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 have to hang on to the desire for that to be the outcome is the great danger For me too you know what i mean so being able to be being able to want it as as much as anybody could ever want anything but also not not have to have it at the exact same time you know it's a very strange kind of push and pull place to be but i feel that it's also in to some degree the safest place to be because the entrapments of insanity you know when it comes to desire and want and gain and and you know wealth and things and fame and all of that it becomes it can become a complete psychosis you become gollum searching for the ring you know what i mean and it becomes all obsessive and encompassing and you know and 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 my my psychological framework just won't allow me to go down that rabbit hole and 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 live down there you know
1: uh, searching for the ring <laughs> how well said though how w- well said we're going to take our last break corin um if you're just joining us this Corin nimick and where he's going to talk about his uh, film that came out this summer that i'd love for you to check out we'll be right back Corin nimick <laughs>
3: Mais new.
4: Shoot me in the back. Roy, you don't have any business here. This is my business. Knock him up. You are gonna hang for this. What happened to you? See you, Reno.
3: Mr.
4: Mr.
1: Dead men strung to your wagon. Those men threatened to rape my wife.
4: The mayor's gonna wanna talk to you. Mayor Thomas, where's he at? Bishop's mayor now. Hello, Roy. I missed you by a day in Galveston. Three young men are dead there. I didn't kill no one. Get your facts straight, friend. Let's go. Not today. I ain't asking. I said not today. I've just been given news that my brother was murdered. I'm gonna give you one day in honor of your brother. Don't play games with me. Get out of town. They're gonna string you up for killing the man's brother. We gotta get the hell out of here. You wanna join? You win, you walk out of here alive. Lose, it's your judgment day. Show them. You killed men of the law, and there ain't no clemency for that. Mm. Reno's back. What revenge. Reno. You bring him to me. Dead or alive. Bishop's got 50 men securing that mine. Hell you four gonna do. We could use your help. You ready for ready? Yeah, come, I won't
3: stop. Until it's done. Back on your horse and let's finish this. Come for revenge
4: Come for revenge Ain't no priming, ain't no hiding yeah. Soon as death comes like it I'm for revenge Kill him, kid
1: Roll a seven every time By advertising on The Jeremiah Show and get your message out on seven shows. We're always on the radio. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. I'm with Corin Nimick, and it's been a, a, a just an incredibly fascinating hour with a multi-layered, faceted man who's got so much to uh, to share with us that um, is valuable in, in life and your life lessons. And I hope you keep writing books. Oh, yeah! Thanks. <laughs> man. Next Thank chapter you in your life there. So let's talk about the film, Corin. Uh, let's. It was released on. July, I think, 17th, or 7th, actually. Um, You can check it out, streaming on all the streaming channels, pretty much, it's Dead Man's Hand. Tell me about the film. Well, Dead Man's Hand came about uh, a number of years back, myself
2: and Brian Skiba, who's been a producing partner and and friend of mine for quite some time. We've done a number of films together. We came together the very first time on a film called Rotten Tale, which is is a horror comedy it uh, centers around Easter holiday and a scientist who gets bitten by a, a mutated rabbit in his laboratory. And just like the fly, like Brundle fly, he slowly yes. morphs into half man, half rabbit and goes back to his hometown of Easter Falls to uh, to deal with the, the, the his old high school bully, who also is the the town bully now and uh, is a is, is a corrupt um, you know businessman and and whatnot and so uh it it was a really fun experience working with him we did a bunch of stuff after that but but the the movie itself was based on a graphic novel of the same title that was produced by source point press which is an awesome independent uh uh, comic book publishing company Mm -hmm. and they have a whole catalog of great material and they had this whole series uh, called no rest for the wicked not a whole series it was a three-part series called no rest for the wicked by that by this group of artists the minor brothers three different three brothers who who all do different parts of the comic book and uh they're, they're great guys and so uh they had this this great you know just spaghetti western shoot em up you know just old school western style approach to these comics and they were rad, the way they were drawn and everything. And me and Brian were pretty obsessed with them. And eventually Brian, you know, had been talking to them and they wanted to pull the trigger and 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 try and make that next one, see if they could get that off the ground. And uh I had done some writing with Brian and for Brian in the past on other projects. And he he came to me and asked if I'd be willing to do the adaptation from the graphic novel into the script version because graphic novels the way that they're the stories are told are you know th- not all of them have a really clear cut beginning middle and end and in character introduction and outros and all these the, you know what i mean they're kind of like shotgunning a story you know it's 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 almost more about the art than it is even the story in some yeah. in some graphic novels but that said uh, uh these had great stories So I took the I took the first book of three, which is called Dead Man's Hand. No rest for the wicked dead man's hand. Then there's two more after that. And I I wrote the um, the screenplay version of the graphic novel, which then Brian was able to take and get Stephen Dorff attached to Cole Hauser attached to through a producing partner of his, Randall Battenkoff, who's uh, who's a good friend of mine as well from way back in the day. And they were able to get the film off the ground. You know, I mean, I would have loved to have played a bigger role uh, in it. But uh, but the point was, is that myself and Brian wrote it together. And uh, uh, and I had the pleasure of writing the first draft all on my own, which was a blast. And that, uh and and seeing it come to life. That for me was the biggest part. So having the writing credit on that more so than than than, than you know, having a character that's barely seen throughout the, the film is far more important why the film is seen because I I really enjoyed the way that the that the the story unfolded in that respect. So and again, I think it's a classic western. I think Jack Kilmer does a good job and everybody else and Stephen Dorf and Cole Hauser. Forget it. You know those guys are just big hitters and uh, their performances are excellent. And and all of the the ancillary cast are are really strong too. Uh, and so and Brian Skiba under very very tight tight financial constraints and. Uh, and and shooting schedule i mean he did this you know he did that film i won't even say how quick he shot that film in. it wouldn't be fair to him uh but uh but he did an incredible job and an incredible job for the constraints that he was under in making that movie come to life what's
1: next check it out yeah a bunch of stuff i got
2: tons of stuff coming out Uh, another film place of bones a western with heather graham and tom hopper i'm starring in that with her uh and him and uh a film with with um harvey When's Keitel. I, i'm not i'm not sure, I'm not sure just sure. yet all of these were are, are finished in the well, last year i'll make sure um, to update everybody when they come out I'll let yeah it, yeah, you yeah. um a, another one called joe baby with harvey Keitel, ron perlman deacon lockman uh i wish i had a list because honestly i have like five of like five or six stuff you know films all coming out uh, what do you like doing, doing the really most enjoyed, are you,
1: but- you- are you liking, uh, loving the screenwriting? Are you, is there a favorite or do you just, do you like that they yeah, challenge in all you in honestly, a different
2: way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, to wrap it up, I, you know, honestly, if, if I could, if I could make, if I could make the kind of money that, 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 I would like to, to, you know, to make in life, just writing, just writing screenplays, uh, that I, I would be as happy as a clam. I could go, you know. I could find my my writing nest, build my perfect little beautiful writing nest. Have all my books from my library, be surrounded by my interests and all of that, and 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 just and just write because to me, writing stories is it's it's as close as you'll ever get to. And I, I'm not. This is. I know this is going to sound ridiculous, and I don't mean it to sound ridiculous like this. But it's as close to like a godhead as any one person can get when it when it comes to cre- creation. You know, uh, so because so you're creating the whole story of these characters, of course, they're fictional. Of course, it's not real. I understand all of that, you know, but in it. But but you have total control over the beginning and the middle and end of their lives Well, what the twists and turns of their life experience are, well, what kind of characters they are. How, how did they grow up? What's their education? What's their background? All of the all of those things get to go into it, which is just as exciting about being doing character development and creating a character for for acting but in in writing it's the entirety of the world it's the whole entire world where do all of the things take place how do they take place what's the setting what's the time period what's the is it in the future is it in the past is it an alternative uh, alternate dimension is it you know the 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 creative freedom in in writing a, a story like that whether you're a novelist or writing screenplays or whatever is just you know to me that's my signal uh, okay, that's your <laughs> signal to go. That's so, my signal. I gotta, I Cor- gotta go. Corin Nemec, Cor- uh, thanks so much, man. Thanks a lot, Thank Corin. So much. Forlific, we'll do it again for sure. Creative. When some
1: of these other projects come out, we'll we'll catch back up and do it again. Okay, uh, you can jump off. I'll say my goodbye here on the radio. I also wanted to just mention Love Tim you, Stack, who introduced us. But you can go. <laughs> Good to see you, Corin. <laughs> I know you got to go to the next thing. Again, he's inspiring. He's so creative and prolific. Corin Nimick, my special guest today. You can check out his newest, latest movie uh, right now, Dead Man's Hand, which you've been talking about this hour. He's an actor, producer, writer, graffiti artist. And he is on I'm Corin Nimick on Instagram. And you can also check out his graffiti art at the 169. Thank you so much, Corin. Communicate, but listen more and evolve.
0: or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve.
4: My name's Danny Dreho. Jeremiah, your loved, Holmes. You're so cool.
3: You're so cool, you're so cool.